I've never done an interview by myself. <laughs> Yay! Welcome to this bonus episode of Veterans Drinking Vodka. This episode is going to be a special one-on-one interview with me, Amber, and Katie Baker. We believe that every veteran has a story to tell, and we are here to tell them. We have found that being a service member was easy, but being a veteran can be hard. Today, we are taking a moment to spend some time with a very special service member, Miss Katie Baker. How are you, Katie? I'm well. Katie is the significant other to Thomas Sampson, a veteran who lost his battle and is one of the 22. She is here today to tell his story. You ready, Katie? All right. So Thomas joined the army. I want to say Thomas joined the army. So Thomas graduated in 2006. He was a year, well, he was six months older than me. I graduated in 2007. We were in rival schools. How our, how our paths never crossed until 2011 or 2012 is beyond me. And it probably did like, cause we were farm kids and I think we were in FFA together. So I'm pretty sure that our path probably did pass through in school. Uh, but from what I hear, he was a player in school, so <laughs> army boy. But he joined the army in 2006, right after high school. He joined the National Guards. He went to basic in Fort Jackson, and I think he went to school, AIT, army terms, Navy. Uh, in uh, I don't know, I don't know the army terms either. So in in you're um, good. He went to AIT in Virginia. I just know that I've I've got the picture of uh, his uncle when his uncle went and went to his graduation, and they were in Virginia at Virginia Beach. So um, he came home. Uh, he married his high school sweetheart and had a little girl, Tisha, in 2012. And Tisha was literally the sole purpose of his life. And I I, I look at pictures like from the last you know probably three years of his life. And then I look at pictures from April, 2012 on like the smile is just different. She whole purpose is his life. He never deployed whenever him and his wife split. I want to say, no, Tisha was born in 2011. So April 19, 2011. So, and I think him and his wife split in 2011. October. He went to Pennsylvania National Guard and then he went back to Missouri and then he moved to Texas National Guard. Um, he did a lot of the uh, border patrol down there. He left yep. from, I think he was Fort Hood area and another guard, I don't know, Army base guard, whatever down there. Um, he did a little bit of the. the that, would, that would make sense. Yeah. He, he did a lot of the, he would help with border patrol and stuff like that. He would, he told me about his job and I, it, it had to do with fueling and something again, army, <laughs> but he loved it. And he moved back to Missouri and he was stationed in Monette, uh, Monette, Missouri at that guard base. And he absolutely loved it. He had a, he had a Sergeant named uh, Sergeant with favor. And I actually still am in touch with him. When Thomas died, old man LeFavre, we called him old man LeFavre. He, uh, he came in with his blues. He's like, he goes, that boy deserves more than just, you know, this. Because Thomas didn't get a military funeral. So they didn't consider him a veteran. 
according to the VA. So Thomas got a, he got a flag presented to his grandpa from the Patriot Guard because I knew that I knew one of the leaders of the Patriot Guard because I did a lot of law, law enforcement <clears throat> in uh, Missouri. And it was kind of a favor to, to me and his family. So Thomas had a lot of demons, I want to say, from the divorce. And then I want to say probably from, from whatever he did in Texas. Thomas told me a lot about everything in the Army-wise that he did, like, you know, feeling in, in Pennsylvania and in the, in the guards, you know, in Missouri. But Thomas would not talk to me about anything from Texas. And it's kind of sad because even though he didn't deploy, he was still doing, he was still doing stateside stuff and whatever he was doing messed up his head. And he would, he would, (laughs) he would have nightmares and I would, I would, he would have nightmares and he would talk in his sleep and I would get bits and pieces of it, but it was always about border patrol. I'm sure that, I I mean, I'm sure that there was a lot of things that probably went down while he was doing border patrol in Texas. And we're not allowed to talk about. I mean, even I, as being in the Navy, I can tell you stuff that's went down. Well, I can't tell you, but I can say that there's stuff that's went down that I'm not allowed to talk about. Right. And it's not on any of my service records for a reason, but because right. some things just don't happen. Right. That is correct. So The unfortunate, the unfortunate thing about that, though, is... Then you're left figuring things out by yourself because you can't talk about them. Yep. Which is a part of mental health issues and PTSD and a lot of things that veterans have to go through on they, their own. They teach you how they teach you how to wear the uniform. They don't teach you how to take it off. They don't teach you how to deal with. And you'll never be a civilian. That's why we're considered. That's why they we have a name. We're veterans. Because we'll never be civilians again. They teach us how to be military and they teach us the skills to be military and they teach us everything that we need to do to be in the military. They don't teach us how to be civilians. And the ones that can get out of being in the military and go right back into civilian world and not have issues at all. I'm not saying like everybody has issues that get out of the military, but like just consider themselves a civilian probably wasn't the greatest military member in the service. (laughs) I'm not going to confirm nor deny that. I kind of agree though. Or they were just a paper pusher. I don't know. Right. Can you tell us what your relationship was like with Thomas? And I guess maybe talk about that a little bit. So I met Thomas. So I deployed from 2000. I deployed in 2011 and I came home in December of 2011 and then I was stationed in Washington and I came home. I always took second leave. So I always took the new year's block leave because I didn't have kids and I didn't really, I didn't really care to be home for Christmas because I knew people that actually had kids wanted to be home with their kids. So I was like, I'll take new year's leave because those first two weeks I didn't have to work anyways. Cause we would, only work like one or two hours a day and then go home because nobody was there. And so I came home on leave in 2012 and it was like January. No, it maybe it was January, 2012, but it was, it was new year's, new year's Eve. I came home and 
I was dating somebody at the time. I was dating a volunteer firefighter at the time and he was dating another girl and I had went to the, and he was a volunteer firefighter and I had went to the fire station with my boyfriend at the time. And I'm standing in the hang, like in the, in the, the bay where the fire trucks are. Cause my boyfriend at the time just like walked off and left me and I'm just standing there kind of left to my own demise. You know, I was an EMT and volunteer firefighter. So like I was debating whether to go play on the fire trucks, but here comes Thomas with this. He always had this shitty grin on his face, but he was freaking adorable. So anyways, he comes in and I kind of looked over and I was like, hmm. he comes over and he goes, well, what are you doing here by yourself? And I was like, well, my boyfriend just left me. And he's like, oh, who's your boyfriend? And I told him, he goes, oh, about right. And he's like, he's like, I was like, wasn't you here with a girl? And he's like, yeah, I kind of left her too. And I was like, oh, <laughs> but we both decided, like, we just started talking about fire trucks and fire service and all this stuff. And, but he had a girlfriend and a boyfriend at the time. So we didn't exchange numbers, nothing. And so I went back to Washington and I got medically retired. Um, I, I got word that I was getting separated medsept in February. And I got, I, my last final day was March. So the beginning, well, the middle of February, I knew I was leaving and about three weeks. And then I was home for two and then I, I was my final day. So I came home, I had 11 days of leave and I came home like for seven of those. And I went into Walmart and I just happened to run into this cute firefighter. I was single, like me and my boyfriend at the time broke up before I even went to Washington. Turns out him and his girlfriend at the time broke up. I was like, Oh, cool. What a coincidence. So anyways, we, <laughs> we decided that we're both single. So we exchanged phone numbers finally. And it was like, it was like that brand new relationship where we just like nonstop talk all the time, which was okay with me because I was at the time, two hours, not two hours difference because I was right. stationed in Washington, but like, and he was working nights, but we would just talk nonstop. And we just, we just became best friends and we became, you know, we weren't, we didn't decide that we were going to be like in a relationship. We were just really good friends and we just got to know each other. And so I ended up leaving Washington the end of March, like March 20th or March 15th, 16th, something like that. And I got home and we went on our first date, like March 23rd. We went out to the bar. My, my, one of my best friends was working at the bar at the time. We went out to the bar and just hung out, but like, we'd already known so much about each other because for the last month, nonstop, every single day we'd been talking. Right. And so, and then, you know, and I was still trying to deal with getting out of the military. Like my head was not okay at this time. Like I had just got home. I was trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. It felt like a box, just like a crane just brought a box over and dropped me out in the middle of civilian world. And I just, I was an emotional mental mess and he was living with his uncle uncle willie at the time um, which was like a second dad to him and i he's even he's still really close to me too and so and then after that we just kind of started talking all the time and we were you know we went on a date went on a couple dates and then march 25th came around and i just needed to talk to someone one night and i we lived out in the country so there was a lot of back roads and I was like, hey, you want to go for a drive sometime? And he's like, yeah, just pick me up. And I was like, okay. So I 
stopped and I got him. We were driving around just talking and uh, I took him back to the house and we're sitting there and we're just kind of sitting in the car, just like two high schoolers, just listening to the radio talking. And he looks over at me and he goes, so we going to make this like a dating thing. And I was just like, I thought we already were. And he's like, and he just gets this giant smile on his face. And he's like, okay. And he gets out of the car. And he starts skipping to the door. And I was like, I know that it's too soon to say I love you, but I really think I might love this guy. <laughs> like, and that's just kind of going to make it a dating thing. And he just was like happy and out the door he goes and into the house. And, and I get a text message and he's like, he's like, I forget what he said, but he's like, I'm really glad you said yes or something like that. And I'm like, I really thought that we were already dating. So, and then, so March, April, just kind of spending time together. And I was still trying to get my VA stuff together. I I was already out the door with all my VA and military stuff. So I got retirement pay until my VA kicked in. And so I didn't really work the first year that I was out, but he finally got this little cabin. It was a little, like literally one room cabin. Like it had a place for your bed, a couch and a, a bathroom. And the bathroom didn't even have a, have a door <laughs> on it. And the kitchen was on behind the couch and it didn't even have room for a full size refrigerator. <laughs> like it was a little one room cabin. <laughs> May rolls around and he's like, Hey, he's like, you want to move in with me? And I was like, uh, he's like, you're here every night. Cause I was <laughs> staying with my mom. Cause I just come and I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> it was like living in a birthing. <laughs> <laughs> it was horrible, <laughs> but he was proud of it. So I was like, okay. So, uh, we started shortly looking for a house, but I remember in May or June 2nd, I think it was June 2nd. I, we were laying in bed one morning and, and I hear, I love you. And I rolled over and I went, what? And he goes, I love you. Mind you, I might've loved this guy in March on March 25th, whenever he kissed me on the cheek, got excited and jumped out of the car because he was excited. Cause I said, yes, but I was not going to be the first one to say, I love you because I'm stubborn. <laughs> so I hear I love you and I went what and he goes you heard me and I was like no say it again he's like why I was like because I want to hear you say it again <laughs> he's like I love you I was like oh I love you too you can say it now and so um and my stepdad ended up having a heart attack a massive heart attack that day and that's I think that's why I remember that day so much and I was so he worked at the golf course he was the he mowed yards, took like he was the maintenance manager at the golf course. He loved to play golf. And I I want to give myself props. I I'm that girlfriend, like I wanted to spend time with you, but I don't want to take you from what you love. And since you're always on the golf course and then you work at the golf course and then you want to play golf at the golf course because now you play golf for free, I never get to see you. So I'm gonna learn how to play golf too. You like golf, Katie Baker? I like golf, but I suck <laughs> because the first like four times that I ever tried to play, I tried to hit the ball like a damn softball. <laughs> I played softball my entire life. 
Yeah. <laughs> Golf is definitely not softball. And so, I mean, I went to the driving range a lot because you wouldn't, you wouldn't be surprised of how much anger you can get out from a driving range. Beat the shit out of golf balls. So my my stepdad had a my stepdad had a, a heart attack that day, and I was actually like four hours away from the house because I was helping a friend bring some cars back because he was a car dealer, and I got the phone call from my mom that my stepdad was being rushed to the hospital, and and I think this is when I really realized that I loved Thomas the most because normally when bad things would happen, I would call my best friend. Right, the first person that I picked up the phone to call was Thomas. And I was like, Hey, I am three hours. I think I was like three hours at the time. I was like, I'm three hours from home. Brian just had a heart attack, a massive heart attack. We don't know if he's going to live. I'm losing my shit. And he's like, and Thomas was very hard, not hard, but like very, I don't have feelings. I'm not going to show my feelings. Like the most lovey that I got Tom was right before we went to sleep and right when he woke up. And then when he was awake, it's like, don't touch me. Don't hug me. Don't, I'm not telling you I love you. Like, I don't say it all the time. Like just feelings, feelings bad. Was right. And, and he's like, well, I can't leave. I can't leave the golf course. Like I can't leave work. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to the hospital. And he's like, okay, I'll be there whenever I get off work. And I was like, okay. And that man came. He, he broke into my mom's house for me to get my anxiety med to take to the hospital with me, take to the hospital for me. And he sat outside the, he sat on the floor and held my hand outside of the emergency room for the next four hours until we knew that Brian was going to make it. So it was me and Thomas and then my cousin. We all sat outside the emergency room doors waiting for, to hear that he was going to be okay. Um, he ended up living, but I just... I think it, I think in that, I think in that moment was when I realized, I think I just truly, truly fell in love with him. And he, he used to tell me, he goes, don't fall in love. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, well, the things that fall normally break. So you don't fall in love. And I was like, oh, that's kind of smooth. <laughs> smooth, smooth, stoic, no feelings unless he's not fully awake. <laughs> I mean, there was, I mean, he, he was very, he was very intimate when he had feeling like intimate times. He'd like, he was sweet and feelings, but like, he was very military. Like he, he was one of those veterans that never went out of military mode. Like he was built for the military. He wanted to go back in, in 2013, he was 2000, had shoulder surgery in 2013. Yeah, in 2013, he was trying to go back into the military, and he just he just never followed through with going back in. And I I honestly think that if he would have actually went back in, he'd most likely still be alive. Can you can you tell us a story, your favorite story of you and Thomas? Favorite memory? The I thought we were already dating one was probably one of my favorites. I don't know. He hated to swim. But yet he was always the first one in the water. I thought he was going to break up with me whenever um, I made him get on the wildfire roller coaster. I've got a picture of him and he's like clenching <laughs> the, the handlebars. He, he told me he hated me a couple times, but then he wrote it again. He just wanted to give you a hard time on that one. I'll play you something. I know that you probably can't. Thomas loved to sing. Thomas 
absolutely loved to sing. But unless I was recording him, unless I was recording him, he uh, he sang like crap. That's Thomas. so he loved to sing but he just he unless i was recording him and then he uh he would sing like that <laughs> that's okay you know a couple of years after he he i think it was last year i was sitting in golden corral and it was about this time and i was by myself and i was kind of feeling sorry for myself because I, I missed him and <clears throat> Just out of the blue, that song comes on. And I'm like sitting there in Golden Corral. And I'm like trying, like I hear it. And I'm like, you fucking asshole. <laughs> like, as I'm like eating my salad and the tears are rolling down my face. <laughs> I'm trying to eat. And it, he would, he had his sweet moments. He couldn't play guitar, but he always tried. He, We were playing, go- oh, we were playing one of my favorite. We were playing golf. That goes back to that that call that that golf thing. I, I I learned how to play golf so that I could I could spend time with him. And there's lots of geese on the golf course. <clears throat> he goes twenty bucks if you hit the golf if you hit that geese that goose. And I was like, yeah, right, okay. And I get up there, I hit the ball, and it goes up, and it comes back down, and it bounces and nails the goose in the head. Please tell me you got your 20 bucks. <laughs> yes. But he, he's like, holy shit. I didn't think you would do that. I was like, I didn't think I would do that either. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we would play best ball and it would go like the first time that I ever played, it would go like three feet in front of me. And, and, and then he's like, okay, you got to like bend the arm and this way you stop swinging it like a softball. And I'm like, so I get up there and I hit it another like five feet. And he's like, fine, babe, just pick up the ball. We'll play off mine. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I just right on the golf cart. <laughs> that's then, what I like to do with golf. I just read. And then that. there's, there's a, there's a part on the golf course that they've blocked off now because of Thomas. And if you take the golf course down it, you will literally slide down it and almost go into the pond. And I think his goal was to scare the living shit out of me one day because you come down that hill and inside of the pond is water moccasin. Oh. <laughs> yeah, like the, they just live in that pond. And I, I really I really thought that we were going to go in the pond and I was going to kill him. <laughs> yeah. He, his favorite thing was to torment me. And then he would get his little brothers to torment me too. Hey, that's what best friends and significant others are for. Yeah. Like he, he was just, he was a giant kid and he loved kids. Can you, if you're ready, can you tell us about when Thomas took his life? So February 1st, Thomas, <clears throat> me and Thomas had broke up or October. What year? Of 2016. Okay. And, but me and Thomas, we had, we had vehicles together. We had, you know, we were together, together, you know, we lived together. We had houses, you know, we had everything together. So we had two vehicles together. Well, um, we'd split up because Thomas 
was trying to fill a void in his whole, like me and Thomas tried to have kids and we couldn't. And I think Thomas was just trying to, I think Thomas was hurting for a while. And I had, there's been many times where, you know, we'd have, we'd have conversations, you know, and he, he missed his daughter and, you know, he would get pictures of her and he would, you know, every once in a while he'd get to hear from her. Um, she was little, so she didn't really know either. And she lived up in Pennsylvania and me and Thomas split in October because he started talking to a girl who had two kids, a little girl about Tisha's age and then a boy. And I think he was just trying to fill a void. I don't think that he was necessarily trying to hurt me. I think he was just trying to fill a void. And I don't think Thomas didn't love me. I think I just couldn't give Thomas what he wanted because of things. And so, cause Thomas found out he couldn't have kids. And so any more kids anyways. And so we split up uh, October, Halloween, 2016, October 31st. And we didn't really talk like, and when we did talk, it was not very nice talk. And, uh, but anytime that we seen each other, all bets were off the table. Like it, it didn't, it didn't take, it didn't take much. And we were, back together or we were working on things or you know I always I always joke that Thomas was my kryptonite you know we weren't like the happy ever after and 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 to be honest to be frankly honest I think if Thomas was still alive today I don't know if we would still be together because we we both had our issues when we like I I got out of the military and we were we had our issues and you know he had his issues from from his divorce and it was like a storm met a storm and, and Thomas was like a hurricane and that storm came and went and it left its mark on me that I don't think I'll ever, ever give, get back. But not to say that I don't think that he truly, truly loved me and that I truly love him and still do. But February 1st, uh, 2017, he wrecked our truck. Um, and I got a phone call from uncle Willie <laughs> And like 11 o'clock at night, I was, he's like, hey, do you have full coverage on the truck? Yeah, why wouldn't I? Well, because Thomas wrecked it. Well, that's not good. Not nice things. I actually think that Thomas was trying to kill himself that night too. And when the truck wreck didn't work, he found other ways. And the reason why I say that is, we'll, we'll, uh, you'll, we'll get into that in a second, but Uncle Willie called me. He's like, I'm taking you to the hospital. I was like, okay, well, let me know. Also, I need to know where the truck is because everything was in my name. It was in his name too, but I took care of everything. Right. Um, and so I was like, I need to know where the truck is. You know, um, I'll have Brian go get it because my dad was tow truck. He owns his own tow company. And so he's like, all right, I'll let you know right now. I'm taking him to the hospital. I was like, okay, well, I hope that he's okay. Uncle Willie didn't tell me that Thomas was in the truck with him at the time, that he was taking him to the hospital. He just told me that he was going to the hospital, but I later found out that Thomas was in the truck. And I don't think Uncle Willie knows that I know that, but I absolutely know that. Like, I know that Thomas was in the truck. I know that Thomas heard everything that I was saying, good, bad, ugly, and the caring. (laughs) And so, because I was still really pissed at him like you you broke my heart like he broke my heart I still love you but you broke my heart still took you back but you broke my heart but um so you know we had we had stuff to do and and a couple days later you know we we met each other up again and and I you know 
I, I didn't want to see him because I knew that if I seen him, that it was just going to be, it was just going to be over. Cause it was easy to be mad at him over the phone. It was easy to be mad at him because he had this way of this shit eating grin and those green eyes that he would just look at you. And it's like, oh, okay, I forgive you. <laughs> it just, just, it broke me. And his daughter, his daughter has the same thing. His daughter is a spitting image of her father. Like, round face, green eyes. She's more of a twin than Thomas's twin. <laughs> and she acts just like him. But, so, what is today? Today's the... Third. Today's the third. So, so um, on the third, <clears throat> I had to actually go see him. We had to go pick up the truck. We had to go... I had to take him to get his stuff out of the truck and get him his, get his rental car and stuff. And... and he had bruised ribs and I kept making him laugh just so that it would hurt. <laughs> Uncle Willie's like, I haven't seen him laugh in three days. Like I haven't, or he's like, I haven't seen that boy laugh like that in probably a while. He goes, you're the only one that makes him laugh. And I was like, well, sucks to be him. Cause I was still mad. Right. And Thomas came out and he's like, Hey, he's like, can I hug you? And I was like, no. And he's like, Katie. And I was like, what? He's like, I want to hug. And I was like, no. Cause I knew, I knew as soon as he hugged me, I was just going to melt. It was going to be done. And he was going to end up at my house. Like that's just how it works. Like, no. And he's like, Katie, give me a hug. And he grabbed my arm and he pulled me back and he gave me a hug. I was like, God damn it. Like I just, I fall into him. Like I just, I fell into him. Like I, it, I used to sleep. Like I, I still don't hardly sleep with a pillow because my pillow was his chest. Like, and even with my, you know, I've never been able to do that with anybody else. I can't, I can't like, I'll fall asleep cuddling with you, but I have to like roll over. Don't touch me anymore. Once I fall asleep, right. Thomas, I slept on his chest. I hugged him and he's like, I'm going to text you later. And I was like, don't. He's like, it'll be about the truck. And I was like, okay, I'll let you know when, you know, I didn't hear about the insurance or whatever. And I left and I went to work and I just remember going, and I even, I think I made a Facebook post about it and I read it every, every year I read it and I'm going, I wish that I could see, I wish I could have looked back and I, and looking back it's, and it's, it's part of that survivor's guilt. And I know that it's not my fault and I couldn't have done anything to change it, but looking back, I wish I could have seen it. Like I knew Thomas better than Thomas knew himself. And I, looking back, I wish I would have, I could have seen how bad he was hurting because Thomas wasn't one to just randomly like hug me like that. Like Thomas doesn't do feelings. Right. That was, that was an odd, that was odd for him just to, to, want to give me a hug and I, I went home and we ended up we ended up talking and he would leave his house and he would come to my house at night and he would get back he would get up in the morning and he would go back to Uncle Willie's and Uncle Willie knew where he was going but Uncle Willie didn't tell Thomas that he knew where he was going and Thomas thought that he was sly and nobody knew that he was going to my house and sleeping at my house <clears throat> that first week I made him sleep on the couch and uh second week he ended up in our bed but it was and it it was just it was one of those and he, and he was still talking to this other the, to the to the girl that broke up with him. 
Huh? The mama girl? Yeah. And I remember February 16th. It was on a Thursday. 17th, Friday, 18th, Saturday. So February 16th, he woke up. He had stayed the, he had stayed the night. And I had to get up and I got to go to work. And I remember there was supposed to be a basketball game Saturday with that girl's daughter. And I remember he he had said something to me about it. He's like, I still want to be in the kid's life. And and I looked at him and I said, I love you. I said, I, I absolutely love you. I said, obviously. I said, sure, you're back in my bed. Like, I love you. But if you go to that basketball game, we're done. Like, all of this is done. Like, there will be no more. I was like, because you can't have those kids and not her. I said, she used those kids to break up our home. I said, we might not have been married, but she's a homewrecker. I said, you can't have those kids and this. And I said, I love you. I, I absolutely love you. I said, and I want this to work. I said, but I promise you, Thomas, I said, this is the last time. I was like, you choose to go to that game. We are done. And he had tears in his eyes. And I kissed him and hugged him goodbye. And I remember he hugged me a little bit tighter that morning. Like looking back, he hugged me a little bit tighter that morning. And I walked out the door and that was the last time that I actually seen, physically seen Thomas. The 17th, I talked to him. And then the 18th, I got up and uh, I knew that he went to that basketball game. He went to the basketball game. He chose to go to the basketball game. And I was so mad at him. I was so aggravated at him. And so I was like, fuck it. I'm going to go play golf with my, my brothers, my best friends. One was a Navy vet and the other's an Army vet. And I like, I'm just, I'm just going to go play. I'm going to go play golf with my, with my buddies. And uh, I got a text message from him about 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock that morning. And he's like, hey, did you trade the car? And I was like, no, I didn't trade the car. Why? He, and that's how I was able to track his movement Saturday on the 18th. But I was kind of short with him. Like, I just, I didn't want to talk. I was mad at him. I was going to talk to him about it later. But at that moment, I did not want to have this conversation with him because I was mad at him. And I was being the angry girlfriend. I was just, I was mad. And he's like, oh, I just, I just wondered. And I was like, okay. I said, I'll talk to you later. Just kind of short with him. Like one word answer is just short with him. Like, I'm not going to argue with you, but I want you to know that I'm pissed off at you. Like, and uh, I went home. I got home probably around one o'clock in the afternoon. And at three o'clock in the afternoon. So we had a storage unit um, and he got most of his stuff out of it. But in the very back of it had a lot of his army stuff in it. All of his army stuff and a lot of like his childhood stuff was in the back of the storage unit. And I got this text message from him about four o'clock and it said, make sure you give Uncle Willie the stuff in the storage for Tisha. I was like, you got all your stuff out of the storage. He goes, no, the stuff's in the bag. Just make sure that Uncle, or you just give it to Uncle Willie. And I was like, why? Where are you going? Nowhere. Again, I know Thomas better than Thomas knows himself. I had a connection with that. I just, I had a connection with him. The first part of our relationship was nothing but text messages and phone calls. So I learned how to read him through a text message and a phone call before we ever physically learned how to read each other. And so, and being in law enforcement and stuff, I learned how to read people, but I knew him. And I was like, why, where are you going? He's like, don't worry about it. Never mind. 
called Uncle Willie. Well, that morning, Uncle Willie um, and his oldest son, which was like a brother to, to Tom. Tom was Tom always called him his little brother, Jacob. They went to Kansas City. It was one of those like last trips before Jacob graduated. And Thomas wanted to go, but Uncle Willie told him no because he was just going to take Jacob because it was one of those last trips. One of those last trips to just, it was just Jacob and him. And so they went to Kansas City to get this old Camaro. And I called Uncle Willie and I was like, hey, Uncle Willie, I said, I know you haven't really heard from me much. I said, I was like, something is up with Thomas. What do you mean? Just something is off. Like he's, he's telling me to make sure that you get his stuff out of the storage to give to Tisha. He's like, Oh, well maybe it's just, maybe he just wants me to hold on to it. I don't know. And I was like, okay. So he hangs up and about 30, 30 minutes. Um, I got a, a, another message that said, I'm sorry for all the hurt that I caused you. Or it was about five o'clock. I'm sorry for all the hurt that I caused you. Um, I love you, Katie. (laughs) What the fuck does that mean? Like, what are you doing? Like, we can talk this out. Like, and I tried to call him and tried to call him. And what he did was he sat there and he kept his phone charged just enough that it would die when he went to go do what he was about to do. And so he would charge his phone just enough to where he couldn't talk on it and people couldn't call him. And he sent a bunch of people some text messages. um, And I called Uncle Willie. He knew that if he called Uncle Willie, text Uncle Willie or text or called Jacob, he they would they would know so he left those two notes those are the only two notes that he left for those two he went to walmart so i was able to track his track his movements he went he went to the basketball game that morning he went to uncle bob's um bob was another one of those father figures to to thomas i call him uncle bob he went to bob's and he talked to bob and bob later told me that he said he goes he came over that day and he sat in that chair and he pointed at an old rocking chair, like an old recliner chair. And he goes, he sat there and he talked to me. He said, he seemed real somber. And then he's like, I'm going to go see what Katie's doing today. He said, I'm going to go spend the day with Katie. And Bob was like, I was thrilled because I was hoping that you two would work your shit out finally. And I was like, were, but, you know. And that's how I tracked that he went to the house. My neighbors, because I lived in apartments, had got a new car that Friday. And... So he came to my house. I wasn't home, but they had a new car that Friday and they had the temp tags. So he's seen that car with the temp tags and he assumed that I had traded the car. And so that's how I knew that he went to my house. And then um, he went back to Uncle Willie and Aunt Brenda's house where he was staying. He parked his car in the backyard. He went in and asked um aunt brenda if he could have the gun which that pistol was i bought that pistol for him on our second anniversary um i also used it as my duty weapon because i needed a nine mil so it was it kind of was my nine mil uh, my duty weapon while i was at the sheriff's department but it also was his so he had it so he asked aunt brenda for the the his nine mil and he said i'm gonna go shoot with some buddies and Brenda doesn't know any different. She's like, oh, okay. So she goes and gets it and gives it to him. He goes to Walmart. He buys a um, buys 59 millimeter rounds, you know, just a cartridge or whatever. Uh-huh. And he sat in the back of, back in, in the car. Oh, and he bought a fifth of Jack. So he drank the Jack and he sent all those text messages. He sent them to me. And the last message what I got from him was, I'm sorry, Katie, I love you. Um, I'm sorry for all the hurt I 
caused you. I love you. And I, at that point, I was calling Uncle Willie. I was like, Uncle Willie, something is wrong. Something is wrong. Call Aunt Brenda. Something is wrong. This isn't, this isn't right. And he's like, well, maybe he's just apologizing to me, to you, you know. Uncle Willie, something is wrong. My mom lived in the Osho too. Um, and I called my mom. I called my brother. My mom didn't really care for Thomas because of all the hurt that she caused me. And she didn't want me to see him back with him. But she cared about me. So she, she you know... And my brother said the same thing. Well, maybe, you know, maybe he's not going to do it. And again, civilian veteran, you know, um, I called one of my friends and she's like, I can't leave work right now. And I called my best friend um, who's an army vet in Vegas. And she goes, whatever happens, um, she said, you know, if they, you know, she goes, let me know. I was like, okay. I was like, you know. My mom called me, so this is five o'clock. My mom called me at like 6.30 and she goes, Katie, where does Uncle Willie live? And I said, on Marcus Lane. And she goes, well, I just heard on the scanner that they're looking for a male subject with a gun. And my heart sank. And I said, what's the caliber? And she said, a nine mil. And my my heart went into my stomach because I knew, I knew what nine mil it was. Um, and I called Uncle Willie and I said, Uncle Willie. And he's like, I was like, so where's Thomas? And I said, does he have my gun? And he's like, what did you hear? And I said, Uncle Thomas, or Uncle Willie, does Thomas, is Thomas missing? Do you know where he's at? No, we're looking for him. Okay. I called my mom. I said, mom, you need to come get me. I said, because if you don't come get me, I'm going to get in my car. I'm going to start looking for him. She's like, okay. Because she, she was about 30 minutes away. And I called my friend in, in, uh, in Vegas. And I said, Thomas is missing. And she loved Thomas too. She knew him. Um, her daughter absolutely loves Thomas and she's a year older than Tisha. And when they were babies, you could have mistaken them as siblings. Um, but there's a picture of Thomas with Freya, which is Cindy's little girl on his shoulders walking through worlds of fun in Kansas city. And so she's like, Whatever happens, she said, if, you know, you call me and, and they find him and it's, it's not good news, she said, I'll be on the next flight. She said, I already told my supervisor that, you know, this is going on. She said, I'm already looking at plane tickets. And I said, okay. I said, I'll keep you updated. And my mom came and got me. And we were on our way to New York show and Uncle Willie called me and he goes, he goes, Thomas left two notes and you're not the only one that, that he sent messages to. And I said, I told you, I told you at fucking three o'clock, I told you that something was wrong. You didn't want to fucking listen to me. I told you I was pissed. I was mad. The anger came out and he's like, he's like Katie. And I was like, I fucking told you. I said, I'm on my way to New York show. And, uh, I called my sheriff's department. I called Newton County. Newton County was already out looking for him. I called a couple of my buddies. Um, my sheriff's department is right next door. It's you got McDonald and then Newton County. And, uh, they were looking for him. Um, I had Neo show. I had at least four count or four. I had two counties and like four towns looking for him. I had a, I had a search team coming down, but when they found out with dogs, but when they found out that Thomas had a gun, even though Thomas would never hurt anybody else, they wouldn't bring the dogs down because Thomas had a gun. I understand it. You know, uncle Willie lived. So you got I 49 highway and uncle Willie lived like, his house and you go down the slope and there's the highway and so I get to Neosho and we drive and we look and Uncle Willie had a very long driveway and his house sat in the back we met Uncle Willie 
at the driveway, the end of the driveway, and he was going to go look for him too. So I never drove down the driveway that night. Thomas was there waiting for waiting for us to leave. And the reason I know that because I tracked his steps. Um, that old car that we couldn't get the door open because they were gonna they were all gonna just redo this car. That old Camaro. He left his fucking handprint on the window. And then he sat inside of that car and he left his handprint on the inside. And uh, I think it was his way of saying goodbye or saying that he was there. And uh, he walked down to the embankment and he probably walked two miles down the road to the nearest exit. So we drove and I drove past that that spot at least three or four times that night. And even even, you know, we, we drove around and I drove around all the all the different, all the different places that we would go when we would drive. And, uh, you know, and my mom had a scanner and I I ended up sleeping on my mom's couch next to the scanner. And every time they would, every time they would run someone, I would wake up praying, just praying. And it was that feeling of not knowing was probably the most helpless feeling that I've ever had in my life from, and, uh, I woke up that morning and I called, I'm still really good friend with one of my sixth grade teachers who has kind of helped me throughout the years. And I'm really close to her husband and her, and um, they're not much older than me, but he's like, I'm going to come get you. I'm going to take you to church. I was like, I don't fucking go to church. Like, no. And he's like, I'm going to come get you. You're going to go to church with me. You're going to go to church with us. I don't want to fucking go to church. You're going to go to church with us. Fine. Come and gets me. And he, he comes and gets me and we get in the car and he grabs a hold of my hand and he goes, I don't want to tell you this. He goes, I didn't want to be the one to tell you this. He said, but while I was driving, he said, I seen police cars on exit 38 on the stretch there. And they had a blanket over a body and my heart sank because even though I, and I, and I called my buddy and he's like, I can't tell you anything. I can't tell you anything, Katie. I was like, what do you mean you can't fucking tell me anything? He's like, you know protocol. I can't tell you anything. I can't tell you anything. And I just, I remember we're sitting in church and I didn't have any signal inside of this metal building. And I couldn't, like, I just kept looking at my my phone and I called Uncle Willie on the way there. And I was like, Uncle Willie, they found a body, but they can't tell me. They won't tell me anything. They found a body, but they won't fucking tell me anything. What are the odds that that's somebody else? I knew the odds. It was slim to none. But I prayed. I prayed that it was somebody else. And then I kind of feel like a horrible person because I prayed that it was somebody else. But I I left church and Uncle Willie called me. And the words that I will never forget, well, kid, it's done. He finally did it. He did it good this time. Well, kid, is done. He, he finally did it good this time. And I was like, that was him. And they're like, yeah, it was him. And I said, where was my gun? It's like, Sarah said that he'll call you. You need to call, you need to call Newton County. He's like, you know the routine. So I called and he's like, protocol, you know, we can't release the gun to you for another 30 days. You know this. And uh, that was February 19th. And everybody thinks that he killed himself the 18th, but I really believe that he killed himself between 4.30 and, or between four and five o'clock because for the next six months at 4.30, between 4.30 and five o'clock, I would wake up screaming Thomas's name. And I would wake up and it would, I would be running down the street, down the ditch, trying to get to him. And I'd get to him about four feet in front of him and I could see. And he's got the, he's got tears running down his face. And I wake up right before he pulls the trigger. And it's, it's same time every single day. 
and I still have it closer to his anniversary. Um, so everybody says the 18th, um, his death certificate says the 19th because they found him on the 19th, but, uh, we didn't do an autopsy. We didn't do a time of death because we, we knew like that was a waste. Um, or February 18th, February 19th, I called my best friend and I told her and she's like, I'll be there, you know, I'll, I'll be there in two days. And I said, okay. And she goes, um, and I called my brother and my brother called me. And he, he was crying. Like he was bawling. He's like, I'm so sorry. I should have, I should have listened to you. You knew. And I was like, it's not your fault. Like I get it. You know, people, there's three types of people. There's the type of people that threaten to kill themselves that really don't want to die. They just, they're, they, they don't want to die. There's the type of people that threaten to kill themselves and they actually go through it. And then there's the type of people that you don't even see coming. They just, they walk out on the side of a highway one day and pull the trigger. And uh, they all have one thing in common. And that thing in common is, is a reach for help. And, and even the ones that, even the ones like Thomas that just, you think that you don't see it coming. Thomas for the first, like the last two weeks of his life was talking about uncle Glenn and wanting to be at, you know, on the farm with uncle Glenn and, and man, it'd be fun to, to hang out with uncle Glenn and sing with uncle Glenn again. And, and he started laying out his documents. You know, I, I look back and I, I'm like, man, was you trying to mend things up or was you just saying goodbye? And uh, the night before that, the 16th, whenever the last time that I seen him, he got up in the middle of the night that night and he came back. He was always doing weird. He was always messing with me and all of my clocks in the house, they all have to be synced to the same time. If they're not, I lose my shit. And he comes back and he's like giggling. And I was like, what the hell are you giggling about? He's like, nothing. He crawls back in bed. And I was like, okay, whatever. A couple weeks about, I don't know, a week after he, past I was sitting in the I was standing in the apartment and I I looked over and I looked at my stove and it said 155 and I looked at my microwave and it said 158 and I looked over at my my thermostat and it said two o'clock and I went you motherfucker (laughs) (laughs) and I um I and I left him like that like I couldn't I couldn't change him I changed I changed uh I I always paid all my bills online. Like I never opened my electric bill and water bill. Like a lot of times I just threw them on the counter because I never had to open. I just paid them online. Right. I was moving stuff around one day and I flipped over a a utility bill and he wrote on there. um, I will always love you, Katie, Tom. And he dated it to 16. And I like ugly girl cried for like, an hour and a half on the floor of my kitchen. It's going to make me ugly cry. <laughs> so I just, for two weeks, you know, I, and I called my boss that day and she's like, she's like, I was like, I'll be back into work Monday. And she's like, no, you're not. She's like, you're, you'll, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to take the week. She's like, fine. That's fine. So I went back to work the following Monday and I backed into a utility pole and she's like, okay, so you're going to come back after the funeral. <laughs> I went through that stage of, of not sleeping. And in that, in, in, in between him taking his life in March 4th, um, I tried to take mine too. I, uh, I actually pulled the trigger and the first time my gun has ever in its entirety has ever misfired. My gun misfired. Then I cussed him out. I was like, you get to fucking go, but I have to stay here and deal with your mess. But I realized that I'm here cause I have a purpose, even though he's not. 
And I, I remember we had him cremated. I went with his uncle to, to pick him up and his brother carried him out. And I got in the back of the truck and his brother handed it to me. And I just, I just sat there like this and held that box and uncle Willie. And I just stared out the window and uncle Willie looked at me and he goes, you can't go with him. And I ignored him. He's like, you can't go with him. Remember I told you Thomas hates swimming, right? And I'm a squid. He's like, you can't go with him. And I kind of turned around and looked at him. He goes, you do that. He said, I'll dump your ass in the ocean. He goes, I'll cremate you. I'll dump your ashes in the ocean. I'll dump his ashes in the creek. And this is how close you will ever come to each other. Because fresh water and salt water never mix. Right. He said, you'll never be together. I started crying because I'd already tried and he didn't know it. Uh, Thomas has a flag from the VA because of my sister. I, I got kicked out of the VA because I tried to get this. I tried to, I took his records and Thomas tried to go to the VA for help. Like he tried to go for mental health and they, they turned him away because he wasn't a veteran. Cause he wasn't, he never deployed even though, and he didn't have so many days active duty service. And actually he did. I'm still fighting. I'm still fighting him on it. They, they turned him away. He didn't get the help that he needed. Um, he didn't even get his educational benefits like he was promised, like as as a guard. Like he didn't get a GI Bill, even though he he paid the hundred dollars a month, like all of us did. Right. He didn't get any of that. He qualified for the FAFSA. <laughs> he he went back to school in 2013. No, 2014. He went back to school. <laughs> and remember, I told you he was like a giant kid. I bought him pencils and paper, and <laughs> you know all the stuff and pens. And he was only going to, I was only going to let him take like a couple of them at a time. No, he took the, like a giant kid. He took all of them and shoved them all in his backpack. I was like, no. He's like, he like hugs his backpack. He's like, but all the other kids have new pens. I was like, you get new pens, but you can't take the whole bag. I was like, I have to go to class two. I had shoulder surgery in 2013 and he, he was sweet. He had his moments. He walked me to my class, set my bag on the floor, pulled my chair out, pushed me in, made sure that I had everything that I needed and I was situated and it pissed the teacher off. The teacher hated me. And then he made sure that I was okay. And at the end of class, he was waiting at the door to come in to pick my stuff up and help me back into the car because I couldn't drive. I was on Percocet. But he, he, so I had one arm and he would, he would, play snap his belt you know and I had one arm and he got a little too close and I jumped and I lost my balance and it was like four days after surgery so I have no balance on this side because I have no arm and I fell on my shoulder um yeah I, oh man I cried he felt so bad you should have he he, yeah, he was an asshole and if I didn't call him an asshole at least three times a day like if I didn't call him an asshole at least three times a day, he would come up and ask me what was wrong. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, you haven't called me an asshole today. <laughs> He's like, I'm not doing my job. You're an asshole. There you go. <laughs> you're fucking weird. I love you, but you're weird. You know, you asked me what my favorite memory was. I, some of them I can't tell you, but like he loved frozen and, uh, and the stupid wrecking, you know, the Miley Cyrus came in like a wrecking ball. Yeah. I'm sitting in the bedroom. I'm doing homework. I got my computer and I'm sitting on our bed. And all of a sudden I hear this song 
and he's running with his vest on, his underwear, and his combat boots. And he's got this song blaring. And right when it says, I came in like a wrecking ball, he does this combat roll into the bedroom. <laughs> and he stands up with his arms like this. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, came in like a wrecking ball. <laughs> or, you know, I'd, I'd walk into the house. And right when you walk into the door, I've got my vest on because I just come from work. And you come to the end of the hallway and he's standing in nothing but boots and a cowboy hat. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> he's like, you're a little uh, overdressed for this situation. And I was like, Kimmy, I'm on. <laughs> he's just a shit eating grin. And he's got this cowboy hat in front of his, you know, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> and it always is. And you are always going to have those memories, though, and those little things that help you get through some days. And his daughter, his daughter saved my life because about four months after he, after his funeral, after we buried him, we buried him February or March 1st, March 4th. His birthday is March 8th and our anniversary is March 25th. And in June, his ex-wife contacted me and she's like, Hey, this is what would have been your stepdaughter. I know that you guys weren't married. She said, but you were, you were with him the longest out of you know between me you were with him the longest and you guys were practically married and this would have been tisha would have been your stepdaughter and she goes the balls in your court i sent you a friend request she goes i can't show tisha who her father is through my eyes because there was a lot of anger with us and she goes i want tisha to know who her daddy is from somebody who loved him like you did and um, I would love for Tisha to know you as her stepmom. And of course, you know, I'm at the fire station and bawling my eyes out, standing outside. And my fire chief like walked out and he looked at me and he just turned around and walked back in. <laughs> and I, I, I called her and she's like, Tisha's going to come down in two weeks and she's going to be there for about a month. She said, I would love for you to, you know, get with Amanda and be able to see her. And from then on Tisha, you know, I would FaceTime Tisha and Tisha calls me, you know, mama Katie, I am now known as mama Katie and I get her every summer. I um, try to go up there when I can, if I'm passing through whenever I was transporting puppies, I got to stop and see her a lot. She saved my life in more ways than she will ever, ever know. And I made a promise, you know, whenever I, I, you know, was holding those ashes, Uncle Willie got out of the, the vehicle and I sat in there for a good probably 30 minutes after I cussed Thomas out and called him everything but a white boy. And uh, then I, I was like, I don't, and at that time I didn't know how I was going to do it. I said, but I promise I will take care of your daughter. I don't know how I'm going to do it because Mariah doesn't know me. I said, but I promise I will take care of your daughter. And I promise that I will not leave this world at my own hand, I will take care of your daughter. And just happens three months later, I got this message and I just kind of smiled and I, you know, I knew, but. Thank you for sharing Thomas's story and your story with him. Like a lot. I know that it's not easy, but I also know that it helps to talk about it. It does. Do you have any advice if someone is struggling, whether they're a parent, sibling, significant other, friend, 
anyone of a service member or veteran that has lost has lost the battle and that has has taken their own lives. There isn't there isn't a time frame for grief. And don't ever let anybody ever tell you that you have to get over this in a certain amount of time because you will never get over it. You will never get over it. You learn to deal with it, but you never get over it. And it's not necessarily that you become numb to it, but you just, you know, they tell us, they tell us a saying in the military, you adapt and overcome. And, and really you just, you, you learn to live with it. You know, there is a, there is, I am still, I am still learning to live with it. I'm still learning to love again. Like I'm learning to, like, he took a piece of me. He took a part of my heart that I will never be able to give to anybody else. I tried and it failed miserably. I tried a little bit too soon because I was doing what he did and and trying to fill a void. But if, if you were close, if, if it was one of you, if it was your, so if it was your significant other, and you were close to their family, lean on them because they carry a piece of that person with them. And I found comfort in Thomas's family. If it wouldn't have been for Thomas's uncle and his brother and now his daughter, I don't know how I would have gotten through that even that first month. Like I just, I don't. And you don't have to forget him. You don't have to forget them. And just because you start to move on doesn't mean that you're forgetting them because they're always going to be there. And I, I, I have a saying, you know, and I, and I say this, I will continue where your footprints left, where your footprints stopped. I will carry you with me and continue your journey. And that's what I do by spreading his, his story, but don't ever let anybody tell you. And that's the biggest thing. Don't ever let, don't ever let anybody make you feel bad for having a bad day for missing that person. I ha- I still have my bad days. I have, I have days where I see a, I see a white truck with a, with a truck or with a, with a um, toolbox in it and my heart sinks or I hear Tennessee whiskey by Chris Staple and I lose my shit or I hear the, that song that he so badly sang and it's okay. You know, there are five stages of grief and there isn't a expiration date on those stages. You can have all five stages in one day and you can be stuck on one of them for a while. Me, I'm normally stuck on anger, just an angry veteran, but grief is, grief is definitely not a linear journey. It is a roller coaster. It looks like a toddler took a pen and scribbled all over a piece of paper. That is grief. Yep. Yes. And you can go from bargaining to, to, acceptance to acceptance to anger or you can start with anger and go to accept like you you don't have to go in all order like it's not a okay denial I'm done with denial next one I'm done with that one okay those are done I'm gonna go to the next one okay I'm done with that one it's not does not work that way I don't care if it's 20 years after it you're still gonna feel the pain it might not be it might not be as bad it's like a it's like a scar and my sister uses this example for someone that's had kids that it was a traumatic event having a kid I've never had kids but you have a traumatic event and each birthday is a reminder of that but you don't just get over it it's a happy event but you don't just get over it right hurt you don't just get over it you don't just get over someone taking their life and the thing with them taking their life is 
it's an it's a it's an open book it's an open chapter that that it's it's a it's like it started and i and i put it this way his book started right and he ripped the ending out and took it with him and i will never know the ending i will never know the ending of his story the way that it was supposed to end and i hated open-ended conversations and he left me with the biggest one ever and it was his final little Thomas thing to do to you. Yeah, I have a lot of fuck you Thomas moments. And I know that sounds bad, but I really have a lot of fuck you Thomas moments. And his dad took some of his ashes and, and put uh, in a little heart for me. And it says Sergeant Sampson on the back of it. Because when he got out of the army, he was a sergeant. And even with that car, we slapped some of his ashes and painted them into the car, into that car. Um, his daughter has some of his ashes and the rest of them are buried. But... Um, and his grandma just, just passed. And I, and I told, I told his dad, I was like, you know, so, you know, Thomas is getting his ass kicked right now. And I said, I think it's great. You know, she walked into heaven and looked for that boy and was like, you, <laughs> we have a, we have a thing when Thomas was in trouble or Thomas knew that he was wrong or in trouble, he would put his arms down and his head would just go. And then he would just like walk off and call it the Thomas shrug, but. It, it gets a little bit easier to deal with and it gets a little bit easier to handle, but the pain never goes away. Correct. It's like, it's like a scar. You know, you have a scar on your arm, you know, or my head injury, for example. Like if I push just right, right here, it hurts. It don't hurt a lot, but if I push just right, it hurts. It's healed, but if I push just right, it hurts. And that's the same with losing someone. It's always going to hurt. It might not hurt as bad as the day that it happened, but it's always going to hurt. It's always going to be there. You just have to learn how to, it's like the tree that grew up in the middle of the house. You're never going to be able to get rid of it because if you cut it down, it's going to knock the whole house down. You just learn how to adapt around it. Right. That's a good thing. I say, you know, keep his memory alive or keep their, whoever, keep their memory alive. You know, I still have a picture hanging up of Thomas at work. Because somebody walks by and they're like, oh, is that, I got that. Oh, is that your brother? No. No, that's, that's Thomas. Oh. I have to smile just a little bit because you shared that picture with me. And uh, I'm just thinking of the glare. Yes. (laughs) I need to move it because every time I look up, I look up and it's like Thomas. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm doing my notes. Stop. (laughs) <laughs> like I can just reach stuff it, you know, but it, it starts a conversation and I get to tell a story. Right. So, and that's how I tell people, you know, that's how I talk to veterans whenever they're in their head real bad. I'm like, I was like, tell me somebody that you, you love absolutely adore in this life. And they're like, my brother, my child. I was like, okay. I said, you know, all that pain that you're feeling right now. Yeah. I was like, would you ever want your child or whoever you love right now to feel? No. Well, I can tell you firsthand that if you take your life, you just took all of your demons in your head and just, just transferred them. Just swoop, swipe the card of pain and handed it to the closest person to you. And I said, I can tell you that firsthand because Thomas just took all of his demons and gave them to me and all of my demons and all of his demons went, whoo. And now, now suicide is going to be a statistic because you're going to end up taking your life and now they're going to end up taking their life because they can't handle it either. Well, you're not allowed to. I'm I'm not not allowed to. That's why it's it's on my arm. So we got T 
TBI, and then PTSD, suicide. Then on this arm, it says, if love could have saved you, you would have lived forever. And then above it is my, I got your six and 22. And it's a reminder that I can't go and that he did. So. Katie, if our listeners want to reach out to you, maybe they have a venting story. Maybe they went through the same thing. Maybe they just need someone to talk to. How can they get a hold of you? Um, my Snapchat, which is EMT224, I think. Thank you again for for sharing Thomas's story with me and with everyone else who gets to listen to this podcast. Thank you for letting me. I'll always tell Thomas this story. The reason why Amanda and I did this was to bring about mental health awareness in veterans and the fact that 22 veterans kill themselves every day. And Thomas Sampson is one of those veterans that killed himself and lost his battle with his demons. And in order for us to keep spreading awareness and making sure that veterans know that they're not alone, we have merchandise for sale and a portion of those proceeds go to the Tilvahala Project and whatever charity Katie Baker wants stuff to go to in memory of Thomas. If you would like to reach out to Amanda or myself, I know Amanda's not here, but we can be found on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Veterans Drinking Vodka, or you can email us at veteransdrinkingvodka at gmail.com. Like I said, please reach out to us if you are interested in being a guest on our podcast and telling your story, or if you just need someone to talk to, Amanda and I are always available. If you like our podcast, You can subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Amazon, or Pandora. And please leave us a review and let us know what you think. Uh, Your review on our show helps with the podcast algorithm. And I will close this interview with Miss Katie Baker saying that 22 a day is 22 too many. One is too many. And you are never alone. Veterans drinking vodka.